Welcome to the Learning Capacity Podcast, where we explore stories from around the world. We hear from educators, parents, students, entrepreneurs and scientists about innovations that help make learning easier and more successful. I'm your host, Peter Barnes. Today's guest is Alan Stevens. Alan is an international profiling and communication specialist who has developed a process he calls rapid trait profiling. This process enables people to make fast personality and character assessments of others and has the benefit of enhancing communication and understanding between people. In this episode, Alan discusses how he developed rapid trait profiling and how he teaches it to others to use in interpersonal situations. He says it has applications in many areas of life, including education and parenting. Alan also explains how he has been initiated into Australian Aboriginal law and is recognised as an Aboriginal law man. And he also took up freefall skydiving at the age of 50. So, Alan, you're uh, an international profiling and communication specialist. And in fact, the UK Guardian newspaper describes you as the leading authority in reading faces globally. Can you tell us about uh, what you do? Right. Well, as a profiler, it's all about being able to recognise other people's personalities and speak to them in a way that they want to be spoken to, but also being able to pick up their uh, character as well understanding their emotions and also recognising whether they're telling you the truth when uh, you're asking them questions. So, so this, is, this is understanding people's personalities mm-hmm. without doing a battery of pen and paper tests or online tests, just by looking at their faces. Is that correct? That's exactly right. And the way that works, if you think about it, is that if somebody lifts weight you'll be able to tell by the shape of their body that they're fit, etc. You, you can get an idea of what type of exercises they do because of the, the structure of the body, the, uh, the way the ridges and crevices are made in the muscles, the form of the body. And at the same time, we know that everything we feel is shown on the face and in the body. So if we think in a particular way over and over, we're going to pull particular expressions, which are therefore going to create different ridges and crevices, that really then are a, um, a map of the history of how we like to think and process. And there's our personality. And that's all through the facial features. Then we have uh, body language and expressions that uh, then tell us that person's emotions. Uh, and we only need, uh, with the first instance, in looking at their personalities, we can do that from photographs because facial features don't change overnight. Um, and we can able to read somebody from that state. Then when we add the body language and expressions to it, then we can start looking at the character when we're talking to somebody. So putting all this together, you you call this rapid trait profiling. Is that correct? Mm, Yes. That's right. Yeah. Uh So how did you come to get involved in this, get interested in this and learn it? Well, probably my past, not being very good at reading people. I've had uh, business partners who'd emptied the bank out. I hadn't read them very well at all. I've been in a lot of relationships. Um, I raised three boys on my own, so I had to understand them more effectively. And it's been a a progression of uh, different things. I've worked in just about every industry you can think of, but I've realised in all of those instances, it was more the relationships that I had with people that were more important than anything else. 
And uh, for a period of time after leaving telecom, where I was working for 23 years as a technical uh, or a principal technical officer, I then um, uh, worked in other industries and finally became a massage therapist and started getting interested in understanding uh, why people do the things they do. Got into uh, NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming, where you understand the words that uh, can steer somebody, the conversations and steer the direction of thoughts. And I'd worked with body language for quite a period of time and uh, working with psychometric profiling like Myers-Briggs and DISC and those sort of programs. And then uh, one day doing a workshop, somebody just said to me, you ever looked at reading faces? And my belief has always been the most important thing I'll ever learn is the next thing I learn after I think I know everything. So <laughs> I got on Google, did some searching and found the specialist in those particular areas trained with uh, the Paul Ekman group, which is all about the micro-expressions. A lady by the name of Naomi Tickle, who's uh, now retired over in the States, who uh, taught me about the facial features. I'd had uh, body, uh, body, uh, body language under my belt for quite a long time, and I'd also had the um, uh, NLP, I had my master's in that, and I thought, these things work together. Why hasn't anybody else put the whole lot together? And so I put it together and then created uh, rapid trait profiling. Right, so so body language is fairly well well known. Um, NLP is uh, reasonably well known, but what you what you've described is how you've taken those two things and and facial traits and put them together, and created this rapid trait profiling um, system or process or knowledge of yours. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, so this is not something you can go and go to a university to learn. Is that correct? Not, it's not something they really learn. The, the facial uh, expressions, I know Paul Ekman teaches those over in the States. NLP is not taught in universities, even though a lot of psychologists are now learning NLP because they want faster ways of doing things. Uh, the facial uh, features is something that, uh, well, most uh, psychology departments don't understand it. Most universities go, well, is this clairvoyance? But as I've just explained, it's really based on a science, which is the emotions, how the body works and everything else. And it's just an observation of uh, how the body uh, develops and responds to the way that we think and process. Right. So you, you've learnt this just through personal research and uh, uh, effort and study. Uh, so are there other people out there in the world doing the same thing as you? Not the same as my. You'll find that uh, a lot of people are doing um, uh, working with NLP. You'll find a lot of people who do body language, they're now starting to bridge towards the facial expressions as well, because, you know, you can uh, try and hide it in your body as far as, you know, the movements and everything else, but your face will give it away. Or if you try and control your face, the body will give it away as far as the emotions go. But the facial features, uh, well, training with Naomi, who I uh, would class as the best in the world, uh, she didn't understand the micro expressions and how they work. So... I just realised that uh, they needed to be brought together. And when I did, I couldn't find anybody else who was doing that. So my target now is to create my own competition and train them to the highest possible level so that more people can get the benefits of uh, the rapid trade profiling as one uh, uh, total uh, package. Right. So you, you've um, been teaching uh, industry groups and large companies, and including the uh, Australian Federal Police, I believe, uh, all this. Do you want to tell us about how those organisations uh, are using what you've got? 
Well, in the case of Disney films, when I first went over there a couple of years ago, it was mainly to understand the stories the face uh, gives away before you utter a single word. So the expressions the and being able to read somebody in their personalities. Uh, with uh, the same thing with uh, companies like Gillette. But then you have the federal police. Well, when it comes down to it, relationships form the basis of everything we do in life, whether you're selling a product or a service, you're raising children, you're teaching or whatever. If you don't build a relationship with the person that you're uh, connected to, they're not going to want to do anything with you. If it's a teacher, for instance, you're going to have a lot of opposition from the students. But if you build a, re a relationship with them, they will learn faster, they're more cooperative, and your life is a lot better. So in that, I knew that um, we had to uh, create the process and then start teaching other people. So with the federal police, their situation, like any police force, military or anything else, it's the relationships that they've got within themselves as well. PTSD is a huge problem. Uh, we've got, uh, in industry, we have disengaged employees. They state now in the Western world, it's about 87% that employees don't want to be at work. So with all of that, you've got a lot of people who are unhappy. And if they're unhappy, their relationships with the people around them aren't going to be very good either. So so there's, it, an, there's an application in, in, the, in the dating world, I, I guess. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> well, number one, you want to find the, the right partner. As I keep saying to people and that, are you looking for love in all the wrong faces? <laughs> yeah. so we look at somebody and we think, oh, that's what somebody I want. But... If we, first of all, you need to know your own personality, know the other person's personality, and then know how to speak to them in the way that they want to be spoken to, so changing from the way that you like to, to speak. And in that way, you have a better connection. So you can find a partner more effectively. You can find out those that are telling the truth. As they say on uh, dating sites, they're a predator's playground. So you want to make sure that you're not uh, dating, uh, as I say, a psychopath. So that's the first thing. But then when you do find the keeper, how do you keep that person? And again, that comes into the relationship and the way you speak and uh, talk to them. But exactly the same skills that I've taught people in that uh, situation, they've turned around and told me that, well, with the children, they've even got better connections with them. So then they go to work, they have better work, uh, relationships with their colleagues. They've, if you're a salesperson, you can connect with your client a lot faster. And as we know, people only do business with those people they like, know and trust. So if you're able to build that trust, you become their preferred supplier if you've got competition. Yep, all makes sense. Some some um, psychologists and human resource people in, in business would say that they use things like the Myers-Briggs uh, profiling tool and DISC and other, other things like that to try and achieve what you've just described. So what's the difference between those things and uh, rapid trait profiling? Well, originally I used both of those and uh, it was actually when I was doing a workshop for a friend who was running a spiritual retreat, we had people come in and we were taking them through those psychometric profiles. We actually had, um, what would you call it, uh, role playing. And we said, okay, in this situation, after we profiled them using the questionnaires, then we took them through that process. And somebody said to me at, on that day, have you ever looked at reading faces? Now, at the same time, I'd also been teaching uh, currency trading. There's a company that uh, none of their students ever made any money, so they brought me in. And I said, well, it's about their, their psychology, all the students, and their psychology is different from person to person. So we need to know that psychology so that we can teach them how to uh, learn how to trade, but at the same time, 
know how to understand their own personality so they can stay in the game long enough without losing money. So we use psychometric profiling like Myers-Briggs and DISC, but then we found that when we started teaching people, quite often they didn't fit the roles that we, we got from when we uh, questioned them. And then I realised that, well, the limitations were age. You can't ask certain ages questions because they're too young to understand the value of the words. Our own education on what a word means to us is different to somebody else's. We have cultural differences. We have gender differences. And so I needed something better. At the same time, I've had a lot of um, profilers uh, with uh, Disc and Myers-Briggs say, oh, I can look at somebody and I can work them out by watching them. But what we're doing here is we're watching behaviours. And when we watch behaviours, if I'm in a good mood or a bad mood, the person I'm reading, I'll read them differently from one day to another. So I needed something that took my emotions out of it, took their emotions out of it. And when I look at faces, I'm looking at the dimensions. I'm looking at the ridges and crevices. And if it's really a mathematical decision on a lot of the traits. And if you divide three by four, you'll get 0.75 or 75%. But it doesn't matter if you're happy or sad, you're still going to get that result. And that's what I loved about reading faces. It took the emotions out of it, took my emotions out of it, and took the other person's emotions out of it. And I can then read somebody on a world scale, because we all think we're in a particular position, but other people around us will think we're different. Well, by profiling people this way, I'm looking at them on a world scale so I can see where anybody is um, uh, related to anybody else. <laughs> so you, you could take a look at uh, Donald Trump's face on, on video with, with no sound and draw some conclusions about his personality and emotional state, I'm assuming? Well, the personality really just comes from the facial features. So it's, that tells you how somebody likes to think and process, but it doesn't tell you what they're thinking or processing. It doesn't tell you their intent. But the body language and the expressions, that does tell you um, a lot of information. If it doesn't correlate, so if I read somebody in their facial features, first of all, then I go, okay, that's their personality. I structure the conversation. And when I'm talking to them, the indicators I'm getting back in the expressions and the body language don't correlate. I now know something's wrong either. I haven't connected with them, haven't read them right in the first place. There's emotional stuff going on. Or, yes, I could have somebody that uh, I shouldn't trust who's trying to tell uh, lies. But if you watch a video, because um, the trouble is when we listen to people, at school we were told, listen, listen, listen. So we focus on the words. But the words are only worth 7%. The body language, the tone of voice, the expressions on the face, that's the rest of the communication. So when we listen to, say, Donald Trump talking, for instance, or any politician, we're hearing the words. But we're not, of course, we concentrate on those. Quite often we miss the little indicators in the face. But if you watch that video with the sound off, you look for the changes and you watch it a couple of times, then you watch it with the sound on. It's surprising. You go, oh, now I know what happened when they, that expression changed. And, oh, that didn't sound like they really agreed with what was being said or they weren't telling the truth. Really interesting. So a couple of things coming out of all this so far. Uh, with young people, children, a large proportion of the listeners here today are educators and most of them are parents. And you're talking about fishes on faces and you know the, the, the crevices and so forth. Young kids haven't had much time to develop that. That hasn't. They've got smooth faces generally. So can this apply to young people too? What's what's the lower age limit? 
Yeah, well, you'll find that as we get older, we develop more uh, ridges and crevices. These are the there's two types of uh, or sides of our personality. We first of all have what we call nature, which is passed down in our genes, and then we have nurture, which is our response to our environment. Now the facial uh, features of the changes in the uh, the crevices, the ridges, and things like that, they're more to do with the uh, environment. They're more to do with our, the um, nurture traits. But when a child is born, it has certain traits that are passed down from the parents. So where I work with anything up to 68 or even more traits in the face in an adult, in a newborn child, there can be up to uh, 10 traits that you can see from the uh, nature side of things from the parents. And if you look at two children from the same parents, there's differences in them. And yes, their personalities are different from the very early days. As they get older, by the time they're five years old, there's about 24 traits we can see. By the time they're uh, 10 years old, there's about 40. And so as a child starts, you can look at a, a newborn child or a, very, a toddler, know what they're going to be like when they get to school. You know what their learning style is going to be so that when you teach them, they don't lose track and therefore they don't fall through the cracks. At the same time, as they go through school, you've got the hobbies and sports that will suit them. And before they pick their final subjects, there's enough traits there to give you a pretty good idea of what uh, careers may suit their personality. So instead of giving them a job guide at the beginning and say, go read this, which is like the white telephone pages, you won't read it. You're actually saying, to, well, here's a few uh, careers that may suit you. Go and re re research these ones. So the job guide becomes a yellow pages and it gives them some direction to get started at the same time, they still make their own choice. So you just mentioned a few things there where, where this could be very helpful. Uh, for, for parents um, guiding their children into, into career choices, subject choices, for career counsellors, for educators, uh, my, my question to you in relation to that is, how long does it take someone to learn enough of this? You said there's 68 adult traits that you look at. Uh, you you've had years looking at this and thinking thinking about it and testing it. If if I was a teacher and I thought, well, this is pretty interesting. I want to see what this will do as far as helping me help my students. How long? How do I? What what do I do? How long would it take me to? And do I need to know all those sixty eight traits? It seems like a big big ask. Definitely not, because you only need to know, if you know all of those, it covers every aspect of life. It doesn't matter if the person comes to you for counselling, coming to you for career selection, uh, relationship issues with their partner, etc. You're able to do all of that. But it, what I put together originally was a very short course that uh, looked at about eight traits for building instant rapport. That course was first of all used by um, uh, just salespeople that was then picked up by uh, real estate agents and became a professional development program for their CPD points. It then got picked up by uh, lawyers, uh, dentist association, reflexology association, CPAs, all for the same thing. So those eight traits are also ones that I've been teaching teachers so that they can uh, understand a child, build rapport with them, understand their learning style and that I was put together as a drip feed program that was taught over six weeks. And all they needed to do was spend about half an hour a week and then come together and uh, I'd bring it all together for them you know, twice uh, uh, through those six weeks. So it's very easy to learn, but it comes down to once you learn it, practicing it. That's all it is.
So that's about three hours of study, effectively, half an hour a week for six weeks. That's it. And, and you know, a little short time with me, we'd go, well, each trait has its own meaning, but then you go, okay, if you've got this trait and you've got this second trait at this level, how do they moderate or enhance each other? And if you add this other trait, how does that moderate it, et cetera? And if you change that trait from that extreme to the other extreme, what would be the effect? So I teach people so that they can look at any combination and pretty much work out how that person's going to um, behave in a, in a very short uh, moment. So it would be helpful then for not, 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 only, not only for teachers with their students, but uh, interpersonal relationships in the school or, in fact, in any organisation with, mm. with peers, with bosses, with subordinates. Exactly, all across the board. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, if we've got um, uh, the teachers themselves being able to understand each other's uh, uh, behaviours or understand how they like to be spoken to instantly means that you spend less time trying to resolve issues or getting messages across because you talk to the person in the way they want to be spoken to. If you've got two people, say one is more big picture, where they make their decision just on the smallest amount of information, or you've got somebody who is more analytical, yet may look at the big picture but wants more information, well, if they're talking to each other, one's not giving enough information, the other one's giving far too much, and the one who's giving far too much, well, the other one person is just switching off. <laughs> they're wondering yeah. why they don't connect. Yeah, I've had many experiences where in a conversation and um, – each party thinks uh, the other one is understanding them exactly. And, you know, if you, if you replay it, uh, it's just the conversations have been missing both ways. So I, can, I understand what you're talking about. Well, you imagine the analytical person who's just spent so much time uh, trying to get their message across. If they knew they could actually just tell that person just an overview and a lot less information, the other person would have got it straight away, been happy with it, and the analytical person could have gone on and uh, with their other project and saved a lot of time in the process. Another thing you mentioned earlier on was cultural differences, and I, I note that you've been initiated in Australian Aboriginal law and you're recognised as an Aboriginal law man. Can you tell our listeners what that's all about? Well, it's all been, for me, it's been how to connect with people, and one of the things that the, uh, the Aboriginal law teaches is love, humility and respect. And all of that is, you know, putting your focus on the other person, understanding them. You know, I run a program called the Campfire Project, which is interviewing men all over the world. And in that, it's creating a safe place for men to come together to be able to talk about their past, what they've been through, uh, and be able to share that with other men. So it's a safe location where men can be vulnerable and share their information. And that's what... Uh, the Indigenous side of things was about as well. Everything was done around the campfire. We learn not so much by listening to somebody. We learn by watching their behaviours. And when you're sitting around talking about things, well, people hear that, but then they're watching, well, what do you do? Do you really do what you said you do? And so all of that is, and that the whole uh, thing with the Aboriginal law is all about um, taking boys into manhood and creating uh, strong men. I've looked at it and said, well, how many men out there want to be the man as opposed to being a man? If you want to be the man, you're looking over your shoulder all the time and everybody come behind you. You've, you're probably only there for 15 minutes at the top because somebody else will knock you off your perch pretty quickly. You're always feeling that uh, it's threatened because of other people around you. But if you're being a man, then everybody else can be a man as well and you can stand strong together. 
you become good parents, good fathers, uh, good partners. And that's what it's all about. And the more we can do that with men, then the real recipients of that are the children and the wives. Excellent. So your campfire project then is focusing on men of all ages. Uh, I mean, the, the, uh, the, from what I heard you say, that the, the um, men's shed movement here in Australia is really for older age men, I think. Is that, well, is, the is, older is, age men run it, but it's also open to younger men to go in. And it's a similar type thing. It's getting together and doing something that you've all got a common interest in. So woodwork and things like that or metalwork, while you're working with somebody who mentors and everything else, it gives the older men something to, to actually get involved in, to share their knowledge. Because how many men go to their grave, or even women as well, go to their grave without their stories ever being told? How much knowledge is lost? So with the men's shed, here's a, a thing for the older men then to, because they're retired, they've got no direction, et cetera. Well, they can get in there and they can get be there with other men. At the same time, younger men can come in and get mentored by those men as well. So everybody has a purpose and it becomes more of a, a community again, which is what we used to have when men had a rite of passage. But we haven't had it in our society for a very, very long time. And that's one of the reasons why there are so many lost men out there and why there's so much domestic violence, unhappy children, child abuse and everything else. And that comes through from frustration. Yeah, big, well, big need. Absolutely big need. So if someone wanted to connect with your campfire project, how would they do that? They do that through um, just going in and searching the Campfire uh, Project on uh, Facebook. I can give you the link to that as well. You can put that in the comments if you like. Uh, but it's uh, anyone can join. Men and women can join. It's, uh, and it's a closed group only for the sake that it stays a, a safe location for men to be vulnerable and show their real strength by speaking their uh, truths and everything else. And so anybody who disrespects that, well, they're out pretty quickly. Um, but it uh, starts off with the men telling their stories. And I've been interviewing men from all over the world who have got some real horrific things that have happened to them as children, but how they've come through that. And the next thing will then be creating panels where we'll have a number of those men uh, talking about particular issues that we'll put out as a survey and find out what other men want to know about. Then the ladies will be interviewed and then the ladies will come into the panels as well so that we'll not just have a men's campfire, but we'll then have a um, global community of men and women. And they will then be, a, hopefully then it'll be a place that brings other men's groups together uh, and networks out into all those groups as well. And so it's, again, you know, it's no culture or anything else. It's not uh, limited to race or anything else. Wow. So that, that, all, all you just said there has the rapid trait profiling you do has a straight connection with, with mm. this. One thing that I, I want to ask you about, and we're, we're just about to wrap up, I think, here, um, is that you, you're doing lots of things that are beneficial to individuals, but, but more than that, it's beneficial to society at large. Mm. But there's one thing I noticed from your... Um, website that you've done which I think must be very solitary and that is that you took up free fall skydiving at the age of 50. <laughs> well, <laughs> what, yeah. what, what, can we finish up with a little you tell us about that and how that was? Oh well I've just gone through my and that's one of the reasons why I had to learn how to read people I've just been through my second uh, divorce then and I think I might have had a death wish but uh, I'd always been scared of um, heights and one of the things that if you've got a, an issue that you're not very good at or you're worried about, challenge it. 
So I thought, you're scared of heights. I can't stand on top of a six foot ladder. So I thought, yeah, what's the next natural thing to do? Jump out of a plane. <laughs> so I took up skydiving. By the way, I can throw myself out of a plane, but I can't still stand on the, the top of the uh, run of a six foot ladder. <laughs> and was it fun? Oh, it was a lot of fun. The first time I uh, jumped, it was um, a tandem uh, jump. But then on my 50th uh, uh, year, I decided it was time to start uh, free falling and falling at that speed. The only trouble is you can get so involved in watching the scenery and everything else. The first time uh, I went uh, free from the other uh, men, I'd um, almost forgot to uh, look at my um, altimeter. Oh, wow. So the ground was coming pretty close. <laughs> wow. Really? But as they yeah. say, the fall won't kill you. It's a sudden stop at the end. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's really interesting. Well, look, Alan, thank you very much for your time today. Uh, rapid trade profiling, uh, profiling and communication specialist. Um, really, really interesting. And I'm sure... Uh, some of our listeners will uh, be interested in following up and seeing how they could use what you've, what you've developed and learnt. So thank you very much for your time. Oh, you're welcome. And just uh, for those people out there who have got children with autism or Asperger's, it works extremely well with them as well. So I'd like to hear from anybody who would like to know more about it. Excellent. Thank you, Alan. You're welcome. Thanks very much. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Learning Capacity Podcast, brought to you by LearnFastHQ.com, delivering the world's best evidence-based solutions for learning since 1999. Head over to our website to read a transcript of the podcast. Go to LearnFastHQ.com, that's L-E-A-R-N-F-A-S-T-H-Q.com, and click on Podcast in the menu at the top of the page. And don't forget to subscribe in your listening app so you don't miss hearing any of the interesting discussions about learning, teaching and education.